Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mom and Dad Are Fighting is sponsored by BrickBuildersClub.com, the ultimate gift for Lego fans, young and old. Every month, they'll receive Lego-themed swag like T-shirts, trading cards, and parts packs delivered right to their doorstep. For 20% off your membership, go to BrickBuildersClub.com and use the promo code MOMANDDAD. And by Automatic, the smart driving assistant that helps you save on gas, remember where you parked, diagnose your engine light, and get help after a serious crash. Available for iPhone and Android, Automatic plugs into your car's data port, has a 45-day return policy, and no shipping fee. For $20 off your order, go to automatic.com slash momanddad. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for December 4th, 2014, the Where Can a Parent Score Some Weed edition. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm the dad of Harper, who's seven, and Lyra, who's nine. And Allison is out this week, so I'm joined by a special guest host. Please introduce yourself to our fine listeners. Hi, I'm Jessica Roke, and I am mom to Elliot, six, and Sylvie, who is two and a half. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. On today's show, we are going to talk with Janet Ozard of Baby Center about that site's brand new survey of baby names. Why is America naming its babies Zeppelin? (laughs) Then Jessica and I will talk about her amazing Vice story about returning to pot smoking as a mother of two. Plus, triumphs and fails, recommendations, and a listener call about how soon is too soon to have a second kid. And if you're a Slate Plus member, you'll hear a bonus segment of Allison and I debating about new reproductive technologies before an audience of dubious scientists at the New America Foundation. Would you genetically perfect your kid if you had the chance? What exactly is an exo-womb? Join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program for bonus podcasts and behind-the-scenes looks at Slate long-form projects. It's free to try for two weeks. Go to slate.com slash plus to sign up. A reminder, if you enjoy Mom and Dad are Fighting, please tell your friends. Today, I would really like you to find a friend who just started listening to Serial, and they're telling you all about Serial, and you can tell them, hey, there are also podcasts that are not about murders, like (laughs) ours. 
We really want more listeners, and the last few crazy weeks on our show have reminded us how great having smart and engaged listeners really is. So please tell your friends. And as always, if you've got topics you want us to discuss or questions you want to ask, please email us at slate.com. That's M-O-M-A-N-D-D-A-D at slate.com. Or if you've got a question you want us to answer on the air, call and leave us a message at any time at 424-255-7833. That number again, 424-255-RUDE. Okay. Triumphs and fails. Jessica, do you have a triumph or a fail for us today? I absolutely have a triumph. Hooray! Yes. Well, since, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to be invited back, (laughs) I'm not going to blow it on a fail. Since what I'm going to be talking about later will be widely considered a failure of parenting. Fair enough. I'm going to go with a, a triumph. So my son is very into Greek mythology right now. And, uh, This weekend, he spent much of the weekend tying himself to the mast of the ship, pretending to be Odysseus, and I had to pretend to be a siren. I'm a terrible (laughs) siren. I do not have a good siren song. But he started then pretending to be Poseidon, right? And so he's running around telling his sister, you know, you've angered the great god Poseidon. So he's saying, I am the god Poseidon. I am the god Poseidon. And all of a sudden, he starts saying, I am God. (laughs) Right. Sure. So, like you do, right? Um... So there's this pause. We kind of are waiting to see if the I am God, if it just kind of stops. But he starts saying, I am God, I am God, I am God. And we're wondering kind of how to handle this because this is this is where I admit, and this will, again, be seen as a failure by some people, we don't really go to church. So we're not unchurched people, but we're UUs, which, you know, for lots of people, that's the same as not going to church. You right. know, it's a liberal religion where you don't really have to go to church. So... There's no dogma to go back to. I couldn't say to him, he doesn't have a religious education, so I couldn't say to him, you know, it's it's the sin of blasphemy. You right. know, you I remember in Sunday the, school when they told you you're not right. God. Exactly. I can't say, you know, it's a sin to take the Lord's name in vain because he would say, what is Lord? So instead, I was able to approach it as a question of a kind of an, an etiquette question, a question of respecting other people's beliefs and morality, because he does have a very good friend who's has a lovely family, and they're very Christian. And I said, you know, you wouldn't want to... I explained that to he, he and his family, there's one God, and that while that God is just and merciful, you show your devotion and love to that God by not pretending to be that God and putting yourself <laughs> on his level, right? Uh, and that you wouldn't want to hurt his feelings or offend him. So I thought that was a triumph because I didn't trip over myself trying to explain, you know, monotheism or right. blasphemy or, you know, get all my own hangups involved. Right. I just kind of tackled the question of why you should not run around school saying, I'm God. Why right, and in a way that would actually resonate with him as yeah. opposed to in a way that just makes it clear that you've got some kind of hang-up about it. Exactly. Which you obviously do. <laughs> and I did not anger the great God Poseidon. <laughs> great. Which was great. Uh, very good. All right, I have a fail, unfortunately, oh, this sorry. week. It's actually a, a fail that uh, is a recurring fail. I've been feeling frustrated about it for a while, so I wanted to bring it up on the show and talk about it because... While, you know, I'm giving this one example, it is something that I, like, do all the time. It is no good. Recently, Harper was upset about something. I think that it was that she was upset about the way Lyra drew her hair in a picture of her that they were giving to their babysitter for their for her birthday. Anyways, but it doesn't really matter. Harper is all pissed off, and my wife, Alia, is talking to her, and I'm in the other room just sort of overhearing it. And Alia's totally handling it fine, and... 
Harper is being really rude to her the way that kids sometimes are when they get their dander up about something. But instead of just letting Alia just, like, handle it, I cannot take that Harper is being so rude. And so I just, like, wade into it. I, like, wade in from the other room, and I'm like, Harper, stop being so rude to your mother. And, of course, that doesn't make things better. Of course, it just makes it worse. Introducing an additional upset person into the equation somehow miraculously did not solve it. And instead, I just basically ended up undercutting Alia's actual considered parenting technique in this moment, which was dumb. But I do it all the time because I just can't take when they are super rude to an adult, whether it's her or someone else, or when they are unbelievably rude to each other. Like, I just can't take it. And I have this tendency to inject myself in situations where I'm not helping things at all, or in fact, where I'm actively undercutting other people's efforts. And it's especially frustrating to me because I spend a lot of my time as a parent feeling worried and annoyed that I am the bad cop, that I'm the one who is always like laying down the law and I'm the one who is like, I'm the shouter when shouting needs to happen. And I get frustrated by that sometime, but it's times like this that I have to remind myself, like I didn't have to be the bad cop this time. It was going perfectly well with Alia being the bad cop, but then I just made myself a worse cop, which was not the solution. <laughs> so I'm going to try really hard in the future not to, like, carpet bomb my wife's parenting <laughs> and, uh, and, and make myself the bad cop when I don't need to be. But that is my fail, and it's a frustrating one, and I'm going to work on it. So, listeners, if you have experience with this, if you feel like you're always the bad cop, please email me and give me advice on how not to be the bad cop, even though, God, they're so annoying sometimes. <laughs> I completely understand. I'm the bad cop, too. Oh, are you? You're yeah. the bad cop in your yeah. family? Yeah. All right. So let's go to our first segment. Every year, BabyCenter.com surveys its members to find out what they're naming their babies. The 2014 list is out, and I always find it completely fascinating to look at and talk about and occasionally laugh at and occasionally get jealous of. We are joined today by Janet Ozard, the executive editor of BabyCenter.com, to walk us through the list and talk to us about some of the more bananas names in the batch. Hello, Janet. Hi, Dan. So... To start off, can you run us through your methodology on this list? How do you guys make this list, and who does it represent? So we survey the 400,000-plus moms uh, who have told us what they named their babies. Those are moms who are registered on Baby Center who have been tracking their pregnancy with us, and when the child is born, or the, you know sometimes it's twins, they tell us what they've named their babies, and that is where we get our data. So 400,000 this year? Yeah. Wow. So it's a sort of a self-selected list in that it's made up of parents who really like getting those emails that compare the size of your fetus to different kinds of fruit. Well, you know, and we have a pretty broad reach. I mean, it's seven out of 10 new moms in America are baby center moms. So, Whoa. Um, so let's start out by talking about those number one names, the number one names at the top of the list, Jackson and Sophia. Both are holdovers from last year. Sophia has been number one for five years now. Right. Why is everyone naming their kids for Stonewall Jackson and Sophia the first? <laughs> I think that, you know, we our users say that they like, you know, for girls, they like romantic names and also names that are, um, you know, it's a beautiful name, Sophia. It, it ends in an A. It's got, you can call your baby Sophie, so there's uh, kind of a nice nickname um, already in that name. And it's a little bit old-fashioned. It's, you know, it still feels a little bit like a, like a mom or a grandma name. And our, our moms are also telling us that they like names that feel like they have some 
family tradition, but aren't necessarily... There seems seems to be kind of a generation jump. You like your grandmother's name. You don't necessarily want to name your your baby after your mother, but you might want to name your baby after your grandmother. Right. What about Jackson? Where's that coming from? It sounds very Southern to me. Like strong names are still, you know, strong male names still very important to our moms, you know, and names that have those K's and N's that sound, you know, Jackson, again, there's a nickname already built in, Jack. So I think nicknaming is an important part of the consideration. You know, you have Sophia and Jackson, but then you also have Sophie and Jack. I saw that with Jackson, that was part of also, there's that Southern trend, that Southern charm trend, and I was alarmed that Rhett was going up. <laughs> I, I have to say that as a Yankee, that, that alarms me. I'm, I'm afraid of the South rising again. But in terms of the trends, one of the interesting ones, there was the Netflix trend that, that yeah. you identified. And I was really interested. Uh, it said that one of them was Orange is the New Black as an inspiration and that Nikki had actually jumped. Now, I, I happen to, my second grade best friend was named Nikki. I think Nikki's a really cute name. But, my mom is named Nikki. Oh, that's great. But I also like the idea of someone watching Natasha Leone in Orange is the New Black and just mm-hmm. watching her really like go to town on the female populace of that Litchfield prison and think, thinking... That's a great baby name. <laughs> I mean, she has such great swagger and awesomeness. It's a great character. But I'm interested. Is that is it really? I mean, how how did you find that it was really Orange is the New Black as opposed to, I don't know, Nicki Minaj? Or, or how did people make those? Well, when we were looking at the data, we always talk about the kind of larger cultural trends that are going to influence the parents that, are, you know, and we, we sort of visualize people sitting in their living rooms reading their baby center emails, watching whatever on their laptop and, you know, watching Netflix and just kind of kicking around. I mean, you have a, you know, you have a long time to think about your baby name, you know, figure at least six months, maybe every day you're like, what do you think about Leslie? What do you think about Joanne? What do you think about? And, you know, you're watching Orange is the New Black. Maybe you binge watched it and like, as we said, you know, you spend a lot of time with those characters. And it sounds fresh to your ear. Because I also think of parents, and I'm, I'm sure you guys did this, but you are talking to your friends who are also having kids, and you're asking them what they're thinking about for their kids. And maybe if you already have a child, you're spending some time on playgrounds, and you're hearing people call their kids, and you're thinking, yes, I like that name. No, I don't want to name my child that because I hear it too much. And Nikki just sounds kind of fresh and sporty for a girl. And yeah, you know, Natasha Leon's character has some self-awareness that maybe you want to see your child growing up with. Maybe you don't want to see your child wearing an orange jumpsuit at any point in her <laughs> life. But there's some characteristics that you might want to see your, your child have. It's interesting you mentioned that notion of sitting on the playground and hearing names because that was definitely an issue for us when we were naming kids. And I had a really common name growing up. I was always Daniel K in my classroom because there was a Daniel Y and a Daniel L and Jessica, I bet you were Jessica R all the time. <laughs> but so that meant that we really like searched for unique names and it meant also we've gotten like super annoyed in such a totally hilariously privileged way to watch Harper like now rise the ranks up to number 10 this year. But it's interesting to me that 
some people really have that feeling about they want to find a unique, a unique name, and some people really embrace the notion of a name that is popular, obviously, because these popular names keep rising to the top of the list. Can you make for us, Janet, the argument for a popular name? What's, a, what's the argument for having a name that so many other people have? You know, popular, you, you, you kind of identify yourself with your generation. I mean, we can all look at names that fall in and out of favor. And we, you know, at Baby Center, we watch them, like, rise and fall and over the decades. And I think that, you know, having a popular name, it, there's, maybe it's a collective unconscious where you just want to identify, you want to sort of identify your, your decade. And, you know, we all say things like, that's so 80s, that's so 90s. Um, I'm named after my mother, so I feel like my name is kind of an old name. There aren't very many Janets. I don't know very many other Janets. You know, I have friends who are named Jessica and Rebecca, and there are always five of them in any given group, and you're kind of, you know, yeah, you're identifying them by their last initial, or everybody has a different (laughs) nickname. So I think that, you know, choosing a name that is popular in your peer group or in your generation is just a way of, in a way, like putting a pin in, you know, where, when you were born. All right, let's look at some of those really, like, super special snowflake names that you guys identify. The first one on your list of baby girl names is Agape. Are people agape? pronouncing it Agape, like, like the Greek notion of brotherly love? I think that, that that to me is a cultural name. It sounds Greek to me, and I wonder if that is, you know, there's a girl in my daughter's gymnastics class whose name is Athena, and her parents are Greek, and so that's a heritage name. I'm wondering Where, about um, Sephora. I mean, the branding. I know personal branding at this point in all of our media savvy lives is really important. But what I'm thinking, I mean, I'm seeing Sephora. What were some of the other? Nissan. Nissan. Yeah. Quora. Nivea. Yeah. Sephora. That's a good one. I think that that has to do with the sound of it. Sounds kind of right. I mean, if you if you removed it from the actual, you know, the actual marketing, the store, it sounds very pretty. But yeah. it's also a makeup store. It sounds 50-50 like, like half the people who name their kids that have never actually heard of the store and half the people who name their kids that love the store. And we're like, well, obviously I'm naming my child Sephora. <laughs> the place names, though, too, I was noticing there's, there was Arlington was up, which I found fantastic. <laughs> because isn't that where you, you live? Which is just yes. a, a wonderful place to name your child after. I mean, it, I, it, that is one of those places where... I saw in your research where they said that lots of people, it wasn't where they traveled or, you know, the kind of the old trope of, you know, where the baby was conceived. It's just they like the sound of it. And they they can see themselves going there someday. Right. But does anyone imagine themselves going to Arlington? Or Melrose. I mean, Melrose, to me, that's like naming your child Brooklyn. It's like, like, it's a cool place. It was a (laughs) TV show that maybe you watched growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, because remember that our our parents are late twenties, early thirties. So think about what they thought, you know, thought about growing up and what their cultural references are and what they have a lot of fondness for. I guess we should just feel glad they're not naming their kids Party of Five. <laughs> Last question for you, Janet. You noted that thanks to the Frozen effect, I think we can definitely uh, we can definitely attribute this to the Frozen effect. Elsa is up, but sure. crazily. Olaf is down 310%. What can possibly explain this other than maybe a really small sample size? 
I, well, it could be a small sample size. It could also be, I mean, Olaf is a very lovable character, but, you know, one of the things that we see from boys' names is that parents are going for strength. And, you know, Jackson, you know, names with those fricative consonants and ending in N, and, and Olaf is a delightful, fun character, but he's a little goofy. All right. Thank you very much, Shanda, for joining us. Once again, it's babycenter.com. You can find all the lists of the top 100 boy and girl names, plus the hilarious list of unusual baby, girl, and boy names there. Check it out. Thanks so much, Shanna. Thank you so much, you guys. Bye-bye. Well, let's uh, take a break here for a word from our sponsor. Uh, Jessica, take it away. So if you have a Lego lover in the house, I certainly have a Lego lover in the house. I am overrun with Legos. But this is an amazing uh, present for kids that who love mail. Everybody loves mail. You get, the, get something in the mail. It's this wonderful, huge box of brick swag. It's called Brick Swag. It's from the Brick Builders Club, and it is an amazing gift for Lego fans in your family. So each month, a box of Lego-themed merch is delivered, and it comes in this fantastic box that looks like a large Lego block, which kids are, you know, very into. Inside, you'll have a t-shirt, very cute t-shirt, these little actual Lego parts packs, uh, building tips for master builders. There's these great little tattoos and stickers. You're going to want to go to brickbuildersclub.com. That's brickbuildersclub.com and use the discount code mom and dad and you get 20% off membership. Uh, you'll get trading cards. They're called funky figs. Fantastic for holding on and uh, showing your master builder status and a glossy magazine. So it's got a little coloring book and decoding, just fantastic activities for somebody who loves Legos and mail and needs some new, uh, always a new challenge. So again, that's brick buildersclub.com and you use the discount code mom and dad for 20% off your membership. And please do use that code because it reminds them that you found out about them through us and encourages them to keep throwing their money at us, which we always (laughs) appreciate. Uh, That sounds really great. Uh, I know my kids basically love getting anything in the mail, even like they've already started getting junk mail. They've somehow ended up on several junk mail lists, but they love it. They love those credit card offers and stuff from Pottery Barn. So getting an (laughs) actual thing that they could open and use would delight them even further. Let's move on to our listener call. Every episode, listeners call in and ask us questions. We do our best to answer them. If you have a question, give us a call at 424-255-RUDE. This week, we have listener Beth from Kentucky. Hi, my name is Beth, and I have a question about having a second child. My husband and I currently have a five-month-old, and we plan to have two kids to complete our family. But what we are struggling to decide is how long to wait to have another baby. I know it sounds crazy that we want another baby, possibly right now, but as the woman who has to carry the baby, I'm prepared to go ahead and have another baby right now, and then our family will be complete. Is it much harder to have two children in diapers? Will the children be closer if they are closer in age? Or do you think it's better to wait and give the first child some time to be an only child? I'd love to hear your guys' opinion and feedback on this. Thank you so much for your time. Bye. Well, that was uh, a great question. And I think the big answer is that there is no 
easy answer. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know I'm getting the finger from Dan Coyce. He wants me to be the parenting expert here. Um, <laughs> but I have two children, and they are a little over three years apart. And uh, we also had a question about spacing. I think someone told us, you know, the ideal age spacing was like four and a half to five years, but that just was not realistic. So when I'm listening to the caller um, what I'm listening to there is what you were saying about what you wanted because you're carrying the baby, as you said. And so if what you want is to have the baby now so that your family will feel complete for you, then I would go with that. So I don't think that there's any way to know for sure to guarantee that your siblings will be closer or to say that because they're, you know, I think it would probably be about two years if you got pregnant right away, that that would somehow you know, give you closer siblings than if you waited another year. There's just no guarantee for that. But if you are ready now, I think it's probably better for you to do it now. So um, because, as you say, you are the one carrying those babies. So I'd, I'd go with how you feel. Yeah, I'd say have that kid. You know, we had a master plan when we had Lyra that we were going to wait like four years and then have a second kid. But then we saw Daniel Craig and Casino Royale, and he was so sexy that Talia <laughs> ovulated a week early, and so then we had Harper, and it, we were very nervous about. It. We like we, we were pretty scared about that, we, you know, because it wasn't our plan. And is it too early? And are we going to be able to afford it? And will it be too much? But in the end, we were really happy that that is the way that it worked out. Obviously, we love our kids, but also we liked just sort of getting through that stuff. We like getting through the tough baby years fast. We like that they're close in age, although as I think Jessica's right, that there's no way to like guarantee that just because you have kids close in age, they're going to be close. I think it that's a crapshoot. Um, it also, it gives you like, we love the idea that now we have like two fewer years way down the road of kids in the house, hopefully, depending on whether they ever get jobs. I want to touch on one other thing, though, in the call. One thing that I noticed, which which you said, Beth, which is this notion that that once you have that second kid, your family will be complete, is the word that you used. And I want to encourage you to not get too hung up on that, because I bet your family is pretty great already, even with just one kid. And I bet if you somehow had three or four more kids, your family would also be really great. It wouldn't be like over complete. And I just get like sort of nervous when people clearly have a vision for how their family should be. And because shit happens, you know, shit happened to us. We and we're not planning on having any more kids, but maybe there will be another James Bond movie with Daniel Craig. And then who knows what the hell will happen. So I say go ahead and have that kid now. But also don't worry too much about whether your family is complete and perfect because it's going to be pretty great no matter what you do. Thanks for calling, Beth. Again, if you have a question, give us a call at 424-255-RUDE. All right, moving on to a word from our second sponsor, Merge Records, America's greatest indie record label, the home of artists such as Arcade Fire, The Mountain Goats, X-Hex, Caribou, Superchunk, Teenage Fan Club, The Magnetic Fields, so many more. Merge has spent 2014 celebrating 25 years of releasing independent music. The label recently launched its holiday store at mergerecords.com, and they are offering great deals on album bundles and gifts for the whole family. So it is not hard for me to pitch Merge Records because I love Merge Records. I'm a huge fan of many of their bands, um, and so I'm really 
happy to say that they've got a great coupon for mom and dad listeners, 20% off any purchase of $50 or more. That includes all digital downloads of records that they've already released over their 25-year history, plus pre-orders of 2015 releases from Twerps, from His Golden Messenger, who's really great, from Arcade Fire's Will Butler. You use the coupon code MERRYMERGE, that's M-E-R-R-Y-M-E-R-G-E, at the checkout to receive the discount. Merge will also hold flash sales and giveaways throughout the holiday season, so be sure to follow Merge Records on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook so you don't miss out. So my recommendations for uh, Merge Records that you should buy for yourself or your loved ones are two great records from this year. Um, the X-Hex album, Rips, which is amazing. Awesome. Great sort of... Uh, post-punk, riot, quasi-riot girl music from Mary Timoney's new band, plus His Golden Messenger's new record, which just came out in September, called Lateness of Dancers. They're a really good country band from North Carolina, and they just write really, really great sort of classic country songs, and I'm pretty excited they're on Merge because I love them. Jessica, you have a pretty good recommendation for a Merge Yes. Selection as well. Yes. Well, I love Merge, and this is very exciting because very rarely do I get to feel both cool with the Merge and Mom and Dad <laughs> both coming together. This is fantastic. This is my wheelhouse. But I would definitely recommend uh, the Magnetic Field 69 Love Songs for a classic for the loved one in your life. You can get 69 Love Songs, and then there's a 33 and a third book about 69 Love Songs that you can also get, and you get 20% off of that Right, with the coupon? Yep, because it's 51 bucks for the whole set, but then you get 20, 20% off. So thanks very much, Merge Records. And once again, MergeRecords.com, and the code is MERRYMERGE, M-E-R-R-Y-M-E-R-G-E. Let's move on to our second topic. Marijuana is now fully legal in four states, plus Jessica's home of Washington, D.C. It's legal for medical use or decriminalized in 23 more states. The country is surely moving closer and closer to accepting pot as basically benign, like less addictive than booze, probably safer than tobacco. But it is still pretty inconceivable among most parents I know to really talk about smoking up with each other, even though most parents I know are super stressed out and could probably really stand to smoke up a little bit more often. That's one reason why I was so glad to read my co-host's excellent article in Vice recently about returning to pot as a suburban mom, and she's going to talk to us about it. So, Jessica, are you high right now? Well, a little. I wasn't going to be, but then you guys offer such great jazz cigarettes and doobies <laughs> here in the studio. That's right. Of Slate. Slate-branded doobies. <laughs> uh, so, in the piece, you talk about how you were once a little bit of a stoner back in the day. But then, you know, like many parents, you basically stopped using it once you had kids and it didn't really fit into your life. Um, and you got older. But what made you interested in coming back to pot? Well, I think that I was, yes, I was a little bit of a stoner. I had, I had, I mean, I had bongs that had names. They what, were named, what were their names? Their names were The Godfather and Apollonia. I wonder where those are on the top 100 bong name lists <laughs> that bongcenter.com is currently running. But it was it was a long time ago, and uh, you know it kind of had drifted off. And uh, yeah, I think I was brought back to it. I think as as parents, as we've just talked about with Frozen, um, you kind of uh, lose sight at certain points of the things that maybe made you feel a little bit um, transgressive or different. You know, you're all of a sudden everyone around you has Honda Odysseys and <laughs> is listening to the Frozen soundtrack all of the time, and you're all shopping the same places and you're all wearing, you know, the same mom clothes. And there's just, it's hard sometimes to feel that you uh, are still in touch with anything that kind of made you 
different or unique. And I was definitely one of those people who thought of myself as very different as a younger person, which is silly. I really wasn't, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And honestly, you know, alcohol and I I kind of looked around and noticed that, you know, parenting is stressful. Obviously, people need something to unwind with at night. And you look around and you notice that a lot of parents, you know, there's there's the socially acceptable kind of mode of relaxation, which is wine and beer and maybe a lot of alcohol and then also psych- psychopharmacology, you know, lots of pills and sometimes mixing those things. And, <laughs> you know, at the risk of sounding like a dirty hippie or like the, you know, 20 year old guy on your dorm hall who's going to blow your mind, you know, with some truth. But I thought to myself, you know, why not go to something that is less harmful, that doesn't give you a hangover, that um, is safe in small uh, amounts? And I thought, you know, why not? I, I had enjoyed it as a younger person, and I uh, and I liked Broad City a lot. <laughs> you write in your piece that there there's like a real gender split in your neighborhood between uh, husbands and wives. That the that the dads, you know, some of the dads do smoke, and people know they smoke, and it's cool. It's cool for them to get a little high sometimes, but none of the moms smoke. Why was that? And why? What should we be fighting against that? Well, I think there's yeah, there's a definitely a lot of the kind of old sexist model at work here, right? Which is that, um, and I definitely don't include you in this, nor do I include my own husband in this, but this kind of idea of like, well, you know, dudes got to just like, it's stressful, man. You know, you just got to like, I got to be me. I got to go downstairs and just, you know, or out to the fire pit and just, you know, get a little stoned and Play the drums. Yeah, drum circles. I can't handle drum circles, so obviously I wasn't a very good stoner ever. But um, and that's fine. But that women, um, the mothers were expected to do the majority of the caregiving, and you just can't be stoned and take care of kids. And I and I still, I, I mean, I stand by that. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I, I want to make it very clear that I'm not talking about taking care of kids while. While stoned, or but there's hot. then an assumption that the that the default position of the mom is that she is always and forever taking care of kids, even if the kids are asleep, even yeah. if the kids are out of town. Like there's no time at which she's not a mom, so there's no time at which it's appropriate for her to smoke. Right. It's and it's totally problematic. It's definitely not okay. And yet that that was kind of the status quo when I looked around was that there were a lot of dads who was kind of like, you know, the moms would roll their eyes that the dads were doing this, but nobody's saying like, hey. It's not cool. Like, I need you to help with bedtime. Don't go get stoned and stare at the fire pit. Like, I, I need you right now to help be right. a dad, be a parent. It would be far better for them both to get stoned after they have gotten the kids to bed. Like, that is exactly that what ideal. I'm saying. That is exactly what my the name of my new book is called. <laughs> All right. So real talk. How did you actually buy your weed? Because I have no idea how in 2014 in Arlington, Virginia, I would go about finding a dealer. Yeah, that was actually far trickier. You know, once I got my head around, I was like, I'm going to do this. And I thought, because again, I blame Broad City, I thought, oh, pot is everywhere. It's just <laughs> everywhere now. All the kids it's are using it. on the front page of the Washington Post. <laughs> it's just like, I could go outside and just say like, hey, everybody, I'm ready to start smoking again. <laughs> and it would just fall from the sky. And I realized I really had no idea where to go, where how to get it. Um my one of my more embarrassing moments was that I the Whole Foods that I shop at, I have for some years been privy to conversations between people who work there talking about being high, 
right? And talking about, sure. you know, and and so I thought to myself, you know, maybe I'll just like ask one of them, you know, just be like, hey, hey, couldn't help but overhear you the other day talking about <laughs> just like how how stoned you were. So once you show me where the gorilla munch is. <laughs> Could you maybe like hook me up in the parking lot? You know, it was very embarrassing. Thank realized, God you did not do that. No, no. Oh but my so God. how? Who did you find in the end? That's the thing. I really had to get over my. Uh, so I was very judgmental towards the kind of the the pot smoking dads in my community. I had been, and I had to totally bite that and just call call the dad that I knew who mm-hmm. who had it and um and but it was very. It, I was really awkward around the whole thing, you know, texting. And, I, you know, I was like, can I perhaps get some of the marijuana? I mean, I just, <laughs> you know. It's hard. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I, I feel like in a, you were sort of comparatively lucky in that you did at least actually know some people who smoked. I have yet to manage a conversation with anyone in Arlington, with any of our parent friends, to confirm that any of them smoke. I bet they do, but I haven't like managed to bring it up due to social anxiety or worry that they're going to dump us as friends or whatever. I don't know what it is. Hopefully some of them listen to this podcast and will just text me and be like, yes, Dan, we smoke. I think Let's they, talk. I think that they probably will. I, w- I, I will say that one of the funny kinds of things, I mean, I felt very nervous about writing it and my the reaction afterwards and uh one of the things that i've been surprised at is the reaction that people have had i mean i knew of very very few people who kind of openly you know admitted that were my friends that openly admitted to smoking but uh that circle is definitely widened lots of people who got in touch with me afterwards said i really liked your article i totally know you know what you're saying and um the most awkward thing i had was somebody at my daughter's preschool who recognized me while I, was, <laughs> while I was holding my daughter and said something like, you know, good times. And I oh, was man. like, not, not appropriate time <laughs> to talk about this. Please move away from me. Uh, so you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned here and you mentioned in the piece that it just, that it didn't feel right to parent while high, right? That like, it feels different even than like having a glass of wine socially while you're also looking after your kids. It feels different for some reason. Do you feel like that's something that will ever change? Is is there some future you can see where people will or you where you would feel comfortable smoking in front of your kids when they're a little bit older in the same way that you would have a glass of wine in front of them? Or is there some barrier there that you don't see yourself surmounting? Or, or do you think we shouldn't even surmount that? Do you think there's a real difference? I think uh, that things things are just certainly changing. I mean, with the with the decriminalization and the legalization, I I can say very confidently that I do not feel would not feel confident smoking in front of my kids, or would not want to, would not want them to see me doing that. Um, and I don't, and I think you're right. I mean, I don't I don't think necessarily that there's any real justification for why, I mean, I, why that, why one is better than the other. I mean, why it's, I'd feel okay with them seeing me have a glass of wine. Yeah. It's weird. Like it's a little bit wrapped up in the, in the cigarette smoking issue and that it's, we mm-hmm. fight really hard to like really convey to them what a bad idea that is. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a slight mixed message, although we parse and explain mixed messages to our kids all the time. Right. So it's, I, I feel the same way basically, but I don't, I don't exactly understand why mm-hmm. I, um, right now the, it's easy to say, well, because of where I live, it's illegal, but mm-hmm. it won't be soon, I'm sure. And so that won't even be a reason. So, so I, I agree that I won't 
be able to do it, but I don't know why exactly. I'm interested if our listeners maybe can parse that out a little better than we can, because it's a good question. A lot of our listeners have teenagers. And so I want to fast forward a little bit into our futures when we both have teenagers. Um, how do you think you'll feel about pot smoking for them? I mean, is it something that you will feel comfortable with? Will you, will you welcome it? Will you advise them against it, even though you know it's not that dangerous? How, how do you think, what kind of pot mom do you think you'll be then? <laughs> well, my greatest, my greatest wish for my children would be for them to be either big theater dorks or big science nerds. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want for them, honestly, now that I'm a mom. But um, I would say that I smoked pot a little bit when I was in high school. And um, my husband smoked a lot when he was in high school and then got over it by the end of high school. He was like done with it. I think that there are far worse things in the world than having a teenager whose whose vice of choice is. I'd be far more worried if my son, if my children were like binge drinkers, right. if they went to parties and just got drunk. You know, um, I think a lot there are far worse things than having kind of a stoner kid. That said, I mean, it's not what I would wish for my child. I don't, I don't want my child to get into any kind of like habit for. I mean, it's not habit for me, but. Um, any kind of thing that to which they become overly attached. I, I think also depending on your kid. I mean, I, I know some kids with learning disabilities who get into to you know marijuana, and I'm like, it's a really bad idea for you and your ADHD. Just do, <laughs> do not do it. Um, so, but I mean, I, I think that I think that I will never be in answer to the kind of bigger question. I will never be the the mom who's okay with any, you know anything. You know, I, I would not want my children smoking pot in the house. I would not want I, I want to have open, honest conversations about it. I wouldn't want to be a hypocrite and talk about how it's, you know, not okay or not talk about these things. But I have seen um I grew up in uh, California and some of my friends, you know, since they legalized first, um had teenagers who really took advantage of the very liberal, you know, they were giving out prescriptions very, very I had a teenager that I knew who had a prescription for ADHD for pot, which was just <laughs> insane. Um, and he smoked in the house. And and he just – it was a terrible, terrible thing. And his parents didn't stop him from mm -hmm. doing that. And I, and I think that – but that's more of a question of boundaries and discipline in general. It has less to do with drugs than it does with um, bigger kind of parenting questions. I don't know. I sort of have this ideal vision of the future of – like all four of us sitting around the fire pit when my kids are in college and smoking a little or even like late in high school and smoking a little and hanging out the way that I wouldn't necessarily mind them having a beer with me once they reach that age. Like it doesn't seem that bad to me. Maybe I'll feel differently if I once the notion of my child, the stoner actually becomes a potential reality. But right. I could see I could see maybe college and it being like a special thing. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's that that kind of feeling like, oh, you're doing something that's kind of adult, you know, right. that you're sharing with your. Whereas I'll have the feeling, oh, I'm doing something kind of teenager. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> you know, it's hard sometimes to talk about this kind of thing because um, we're all as parents afraid that people are perhaps harboring secret <laughs> disdain? disdain for us, right? Who, who us? <laughs> and especially as moms, 
you are afraid that the choices that you're making are wrong or that uh, you're going to be judged for them. And certainly by admitting to something like um, smoking pot, which, by the way, I have to say, I haven't actually smoked pot in months. I don't actually, it didn't take, really. I'm not, that, that you're basically like putting a sign on yourself that says, judge me. Like, here right. I am. This is an easy way to judge me. It's giving you a point of entry. So that's, you know, it's it's tough. And to talk about because it's just one little aspect, you know. I am large. I contain multitudes, as Walt Whitman or only Matthew one of those multitudes, <laughs> <laughs> as Matthew McConaughey said, while stoned. Yes, <laughs> I've got the bongo drums actually right here with me. I agree. It is really hard. I mean, that's the, I mean that's basically the reason why I haven't been able to actually talk to anyone about it in among our parent friends because the very notion of like bringing it up and seeing like that look of horror on their faces too, even though they probably wouldn't have a look of horror. But what if they did? Right, exactly. Yeah. The article, once again, was in Vice. It's called You Can't Get Stoned Again by Jessica Roke. It's really great. I highly recommend it. And uh, and listeners, write in. Talk to us about this. I really am curious what our listeners think about this. Do you smoke? Have you been trying to smoke? Are you totally unable to find a dealer? Do you have a dealer in Arlington? Do you have his phone number? Uh, <laughs> that email address is momanddad at slate.com, M-O-M-A-N-D-D-A-D at slate.com. Of course, we are not allowing that we would ever do anything illegal. But no. nevertheless, write us in. Uh, we'd be really interested to hear what you have to say. All right, let's move on to recommendations. Uh, this week, I'm recommending MasterChef Junior, America's favorite show in which children cook beet carpaccio with a mesh salad and walnut oil vinaigrette and crumbled goat cheese. Is it mesh? Is that how you pronounce it? M-A with a little thing over at C-H-E. I can't even pronounce it, but Mosh? kids are cooking Mosh? it. I don't know. Uh, it's a great show. It's on Fox. I totally love it. My kids love it. The judges on the show are led by Gordon Ramsay, uh, who you know from the regular Master Chef and Kitchen Nightmares. But it turns out that he is perfect for a kid's show because, unlike, say, on Master Chef Senior, he never yells. He is super nice. He is so supportive and sweet with these kids. Um, and a real side benefit of watching the show with our kids, in addition to just that they love it and they love watching it and they love the notion of these kids doing these things is that they uh, have gotten like at least a little interested in cooking themselves. They, they help out more in the kitchen. Now they are more interested theoretically in trying new foods, although it does not actually cause them to eat vegetables or anything like that. But the show is really great. I really recommend it. You can watch previous episodes from the season on demand, and then you can watch new episodes on Tuesday nights on Fox. Jessica, I would recommend two books by the same author, Andrea Beatty. Uh, it might be Andrea Beatty. Uh, it's Rosie Revere, Engineer, and Iggy Peck, Architect. Um, they are fantastic children's books for, I would say, kindergarten through third or fourth grade. They have wonderful illustrations by David Roberts. They're just both beautiful, smart, funny books uh, with these great stories of um, kind of architectural and women's history with these genuinely inspiring non-saccharine messages for kids about learning and perseverance and creation. And it, they've been, especially Rosie Revere Engineer, has been really helpful in our house because uh, my son has recently started school and he's kind of a perfectionist and he's decided to start grading everything. <laughs> <laughs> he grades his sister quite harshly. 
quite harshly, I have to say. And he gets really upset when things don't work. And one of the real tenets of Rosie Revere Engineer is Rosie is a little girl. She loves to design and build these amazing inventions. She One day she designs a python-repelling cheese hat for her favorite snake keeper uncle. And it's fantastic looking and it's hilarious. And he laughs. But she takes that laughter as, as, as an admonition and she kind of shuts down and stops building. Um, and her beloved Aunt Rose comes, and Aunt Rose is very clearly uh, based on Rosie the Riveter. Right. Um, and inspires her to start building a flying machine for her. And one of the lessons of the book, though, that she gives her is to embrace the what she calls her first flop, that basically that failure is a really necessary part of engineering, science, building, but any and all creation. And uh, the author has been a really great science, um, has been a great STEM educator, and one of uh, some of her big talks have been about encouraging kids to talk about fantastic fabulous failures and how important that is. So that's been really great. Um, it's got a great pro-STEM, pro-girl, pro-risk-taking message. It's beautiful. And if you go to the site, they have a STEM lesson plans that go with it. It's it's wonderful. So I couldn't recommend it highly enough. They're really good books. Um, and we do really embrace both the fails as well as the triumphs here on Mom and Dad are Fighting. So uh, I think that's a great message for kids. All right, so that's our show. Please email us at momanddad at slate.com to suggest topics or recommend books or guests or whatever. And if you've got a question, please give us a call at any hour and leave us a message at 424-255-7833. That number again, 424-255-RUDE. Please subscribe on iTunes. Just search for Mom and Dad Are Fighting and leave a comment or a rating while you're there because that helps people find the show. And once again, please tell your friends. Thanks to Janet Ozard from Baby Center. Thanks to our excellent sponsors, the Brick Builders Club, Automatic, and Merge Records. Our producer is Ann Hepperman. The managing producer of Slate Podcast is Joel Meyer. And the executive producer is Andy Bowers. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks for listening. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.